This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. We're going to dive right into today's episode because it is a really juicy one and I got really personal in it in regards to just sharing a decision that Scott and I are trying to make and the process that we're going through. I have seen my naturopath. I have seen a GP, a general practitioner, a doctor. I have seen uh, my therapist. I have done a breathwork session. And you might be like, this is crazy. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm gathering information and I'm gathering insight and I'm looking inward so that I can make the best decision moving forward. So I talk a little bit about this whole situation with today's guest because she is somebody who I admire so much. She has lived through some really challenging moments in her life, but she's now at a place where she's fully standing in her power, serving so many people. Ava Johanna is joining me today. She's the founder and visionary behind the Academy of Breath. Our conversation could not have come at a better time. She is a meditation and breathwork teacher. And I did my second breathwork session last night in a beautiful workshop with Kate Horseman. And it was a really cool experience. So I'm going to share a little bit about that. And we're also going to talk about how Ava ended up in this job that she's in right now, how she went from a corporate role into an entrepreneur who is really serving from the heart. She shares how to get out of a funk. Ava, when she was 16, was actually in a space where she was homeless. So she went through some really challenging years navigating depression and anxiety, dependency on things like alcohol and drugs. So she talks about how she got from that space to where she is now. She shares a couple of breathwork tools with you so that you can learn how to use your breath to turn your parasympathetic nervous system on that rest and digest response so that you can think more clearly and really start to alchemize your body. We're going to talk about when to follow your intuition and heart versus logic. And this is a really interesting part of the conversation because I think there's so many moments in life where we might hear our intuition, but our logic and our body and our fears are really getting loud. So she shares how she knows when it's time to follow logic versus her heart. That was a really special part of the conversation for me right now with everything that I'm navigating. I think you're going to love this conversation. So grab your coffee or your tea, your big water bottle, your glass of wine, whatever you need right now in this moment, maybe a notepad, a pen, a piece of paper, 
Let's dive in. Ava, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor to be able to share these practices. Like I literally pinch myself every single time that I get to provide other people with the same wisdom and exercises that have changed my life because it really like if I were to pinpoint one thing that's changed my life the most, it's meditation and breath work. So before we dive into the magic of breath work, first, like how did you land here? Because I think this is something that Breathwork in particular, it's obviously been around for a long time, but that's just starting to hit mainstream. Yeah, totally. I mean, breathwork has been around for thousands and thousands of years. If we look at some of the oldest spiritual texts, they include breathwork. If you look at the Bible, you know, I forgot exactly what it is in the Bible, but one of the verses within the Bible says that like God is within our breath and you see that across all of our spiritual texts. So these are practices that have been around for thousands of years. And for me, I found breathwork through yoga and yoga was really like the saving grace when I was navigating, transitioning out of my corporate job. And even before then, when I just was in a corporate job and really thought that that was all that there ever would be for me, because that's what was modeled in not only my friend group, but also society overall was finish college, go get a job at a corporate space and stay there for the rest of your life. And I, being very type A and have always been very scrappy and very much hustle mentality in my corporate job, just hit the green light or hit the gas pedal and was go time from the very beginning and very quickly within a few months burnt myself out. And I didn't even know that I was burnt out. I just knew that my physical body was breaking down on me. My eyesight started deteriorating. I had 20-20 vision and within a few months had to go to the optometrist and get glasses because I could no longer see and I couldn't drive at night because I was staring at my screen constantly. I had migraines every other week, like clockwork for 48 to 72 hours that were so painful, debilitating to the point where I couldn't go to work and I'd just lay in bed all day. And it's interesting actually because my first experience of any breath work was through Kaiser Permanente because I had migraines and they wanted to put me on antidepressants and all of these different prescription drugs to help with my migraines. And I knew I was like, I don't need to go on antidepressants for my migraines. This doesn't make sense. And I had heard from someone to try biofeedback and I had to jump through all of these hoops in order to get to the point to be able to um, try biofeedback. But essentially, what it was was being hooked up to all of these different sensors so I could see my heart rate variability and how my breath was changing my heart rate variability and bringing me out of a sympathetic response, which is an arousal in our body, basically that stress response into a parasympathetic response. And so it was fascinating to me to get a little bit of taste of breath work, even though I didn't know that that's what it was at that point. And over time, while I was in my corporate job, I realized that that wasn't the direction that I wanted to go and that I wanted to pursue something with greater meaning and pursue something that would not only help myself, my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, but also help other people. And I enrolled in a 200-hour yoga teacher training. And I think it was one of our very first nights that someone came in and taught us breath work. And from that point forward, I was just absolutely hooked. Very similar to you. It didn't take many sessions for me to be like, this is where I want to go. Yeah, there's something really special about it. And I really want to leave all of the listeners with a tool so that they can feel how their breath can impact their body. So we're going to make sure that everybody has one of those because it's something where 
when you feel the power of your breath in creating shifts and releases and shifting your nervous system, there's just no denying that this is special and really cool as well. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. So take me back a little bit further. I feel like I read somewhere that you were homeless once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is definitely why I have a scrappy hustle mentality. When I was 15 years old, my mom separated from my stepdad. And at the time she was working part-time for the school district because my little sister has autism and my mom wasn't able to get a full-time job because my sister was and still is her full-time job. So Unfortunately, teachers and aides are not compensated very fairly. And within the span of a couple months, by the time I turned 16, our car was repossessed. We were evicted from our house. We were jumping from couches to friends' houses, to neighbors' houses, to family members. And that was about the better half of a year, if not longer than that, that we were basically surviving day to day, not sure where we were going to sleep, not sure if, you know, we were going to be able to go back to the neighbor's house or to the friend's house. And it was incredibly life altering and like foundation shaking for my life as a 16 year old. And then also, of course, for my mom and my sister. And 
once that happened in that like really traumatic experience, I vowed that I would never be in that type of situation again. From that point forward, yeah, it just like turned on this hustle mentality within me based out of a place of fear of just, I don't want to be homeless again. I don't want to not have a roof over my, my head again. And while now I can look back and be incredibly grateful for the experience because it shaped me into a woman that takes risks and doesn't take no for an answer and will work hard to get what she wants, it definitely took a lot of therapy, first and foremost, lots of therapy, first and foremost, um, and a lot of unfolding to understand that a lot of the patterns that I had in my life around self-worth, around money, around working, all came from this really traumatic experience as a teenager. It's so hard when you're in those moments that are so dark and so scary. And often you're in survival mode, so you don't even realize Mm -hmm. how challenging it is maybe when you're like right in it. But those are the moments, as you said, that really shape us and they have the capacity to break us or to build us up. And you've obviously really leaned into the buildup and just taken that drive and that motivation and and everything to not only serve yourself, but to serve so many people. And I feel like you probably just learned so much compassion and empathy and just so much in that really, really difficult time. Yeah. I mean, you know, being 16, I think it definitely took years, like at least a decade for me to come to a place of gratitude and come to a place of recognizing that like the pain could turn into purpose. You know, my late teens and early twenties were really dark years as well too. And I it, I, it did break me in a lot of ways. I always think it's interesting, you know, the comparison of like two siblings that go through the loss of a parent and one taking it and turning it into purpose and one, you know, developing a drug addiction or whatever it might be and how two people can go through the same experience and alchemize it or transform it into something entirely different. And I remember hearing that early in my 20s and recognizing like I didn't need to be broken by the things that had happened to me and that I could, like you said, build something from it all and really turn it into purpose. So for individuals who are listening right now who are like, wow, okay, that's some hard SHIT that she just (laughs) existed through and look what she's created. And I'm going through a hard time right now. I don't feel my best. I'm depressed or anxious or this whole COVID pandemic like the craziness of the world right now is Mm -hmm. just, it feels like it's crushing me a little bit. What are some of the strategies or tools that really supported you in taking the path of growth of finding purpose from it versus really being crushed from it? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. Cause I think that action is really where the momentum comes from. And often when we feel stagnant or stuck or helpless and or useless, it comes from being so stuck in one place and not knowing where to go next that it just perpetuates the problem. I have certainly been there, especially through this pandemic. So know that if you are in that space, you're not alone. You know, even individuals who have done years and years and years of work still get stuck in those cycles. And so know that there's no shame or no guilt or no reason to um, make things harder on yourself or feeling that you need to be somewhere else or that other people are getting it or doing it better than you because we all go through it. I think for me in the very beginning, it was 
really simple things that I could shift my attention to. So basically like disruptors from my day-to-day life. And so anything that would disrupt the bad habit, the bad thought, the bad feeling. So as an example, one of the things that I used to rely on heavily when I was going through my early 20s and teens was alcohol. I would get off of work and go buy a bottle of wine or probably a bottle of vodka or tequila and drink by myself in my apartment. And I'd wake up at like three in the morning and my house would be a mess and I wouldn't know what had happened. And it was, you know, of course, those times brought up tons of shame and anxiety. And I knew that that wasn't something that I wanted to do anymore. So When I started feeling the discomfort of emotions and when I knew that that discomfort of emotions led to drinking or led to drugs, I would feel the feeling itself and then choose actively to do something healthier. So sometimes something healthier meant something as simple as going to the same store and getting kombucha and getting myself like ingredients to make a mocktail. So I still had some sort of like nice, beautiful drink, but could use that instead of alcohol and put on a playlist or bust out some canvas paper and paints and paint and be creative and express whatever discomfort was coming up through creativity and through art. Other times it meant, you know, getting off my bum and going to a yoga class and moving my body. I think that what we really want to do when we're in that position of feeling intensely on the inside is get out of our heads and into our bodies in whatever way that might look like. So movement, breath, dance, creative expression, singing, being outside in nature, like all of those things, as simple as they are, they are so nourishing to our systems. And for me, those were the things that I started disrupting the ungratifying or negative behaviors with until those new things became my new normal. And instead of feeling discomfort and reaching for a bottle of vodka, I would feel discomfort and scream into a pillow and have a crazy dance party around my house and then start writing in my journal or put on a audible book from Gabby Bernstein and let myself be inundated with positivity and reminders that I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm going to take whatever I'm navigating and create something out of it. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. And it really does, you know, hearing you say this, come back to the basics, which are never, it never feels basic to do the basics, but Mm -hmm. it's like, move your body, nature, find your breath, journal, express yourself, whether that's through writing, painting, dancing, singing, whatever that feels like, but moving through that emotion and putting it out there. Love that. And then obviously you you mentioned before some therapy. And therapy. Yes. (laughs) And therapy as well. Yeah. Yeah. My therapist actually, we do, she does embodiment. So it's very integrative where it's not just me talking, talking, talking the entire time, but actually taking a moment to say what I need to say, whatever's in my system. So I'm bleh, like word vomiting it out. And then from there, she'll guide me into my body so I can feel it in my body and let it move through my body however it wants to move. Because the thing is, anything from depression to anxiety to stress to anger lives inside of our body somewhere. That's why we feel it. You know, when we get stressed out, our heart starts racing, our belly times ties into a knot. And so rather than ignoring the somatic expression of these emotions, it's giving them space to move or release so that they don't just start 
bundling up in our bodies and overflowing to the point of some sort of explosion. Oh, I feel like this was one of the most powerful parts of my own healing was learning to sit with what was in my body and to give it space to release, which some people listening are like, what are these girls talking about? So if you go to the raw beauty blog, I believe there's a mind body heart scan that you can do that Mm. will just help you dip your toe into feeling what's going on in your body. You can play around with that. And if it's not there, because Lord knows, I think I posted it like four years ago, just send us a DM in our IG and we'll make sure that you get it. Cause I would love everyone to try one of those. It's so profound as you continue to do it. And I remember starting and I could not even sit in the feelings for more than 30 seconds without like unconsciously getting up and, and going to do something else. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's two sides of the coin, right? It's like one side of it is we have all of these things that numb us constantly, whether it's our phones or food or sex or drugs or alcohol, all of these things that numb us that when we actually start to feel, it's like, oh my gosh, this feels so overwhelming. I'm feeling so much where in reality, it's like, no, you're just feeling at a normal level. You just haven't been feeling at all. And then on the other side, the expression itself, especially for women or any marginalized communities, the idea of expressing feels undomesticated and chaotic because throughout all of society, we have been modeled to be good and tidy and quiet and nice. And so I remember when I first started doing what I call quantum embodiment meditation, which is just putting on music and allowing yourself to express however your body and like following what your body wants to do instead of what your mind wants to do. So it's not dance. It's like literally like it could be shaking and it could be yelling. It could be pounding. I remember the first time I did that, I was like, oh, let me just pound lightly. Don't do it too loud. And then I realized, whoa, like this is actual conditioning that I, it's not okay to be an angry woman. It's not okay to be crazy or to make weird faces. Like, and, and, and it's so interesting to feel the way, how natural it feels in the body, but how unnatural it feels in the mind. I mean, even for, for you who are listening right now, I'm curious to know how you feel even hearing us talk about this. Like sometimes on our Robbie D reset calls, we will turn the music up really loud and just dance. And the amount of discomfort women feel in just dancing is palpable. And yet Mm -hmm. it's like, why, how did we get to this place where we don't feel like we can move even in our bodies where we can allow ourselves joy or just to have fun. It's this conditioning that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, this is why I love breath work so much because ultimately the discomfort of moving our bodies of even if it's within a group of women who deeply revere you and respect you, it feels unsafe. Even if we wouldn't use the word safe, the way that our mind registers it is this isn't safe for me to do because if I look silly, if I make a mistake, if whatever happens and I am no longer accepted or abandoned, then my primordial brain is going to think that I'm going to die because back in the, you know, ages of the hunter gathering ages, if we got kicked out of the tribe, we would die. We wouldn't survive. And we have to realize that like our brains are prehistoric. We're dealing with this prehistoric brain that is not evolved entirely up to our modern world. And so 
the basics of breath work is how do I learn to create safety in my body in a world that is inherently unsafe to my nervous system? Let's dive into breath work. I mean, you just gave us a a taste of what it is. When I did the workshop with Kate yesterday, we did some journaling exercises to start to set a bit of an intention around the work that we were doing. Then we let go of expectations (laughs) despite those intentions that were set. And then we did a breath where we took a deep breath into our stomach, then a deep breath into our chest, and then we released I did that for the first song. Then I started noticing my brain thinking thoughts like, this is super weird. This is uncomfortable. This feels hard. Why did I even sign up for this? And mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time working, <laughs> I'm not doing this right. So much resistance. And then that softened away. And it was like all that chatter just falls to the side. I noticed parts of my body becoming really tense And so I just tried not to fear that the first time I did it, I was very afraid, like what is happening right now? And then I went into it with this intention around getting clarity as to whether or not we're going to have or try for baby number three. Mm -hmm. And as everything fell away, you lose track of time. And I had, I feel like I had clarity. I'm still working on trusting whether that's my thoughts or intuition, but it was very loud and clear and resonant, the message that I got. Yeah. And then you come out of it and um, have a moment to just integrate. It is so cool. It's so crazy, but so cool. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your first experience with breath work. Mm, yes. So my first experience with breath work had a similar type of arousal to the system because the breathwork practice that you're talking about does create an arousal to your system, which essentially is when your nervous system moves from homeostasis into a sympathetic arousal from the hyperoxygenation, which essentially means that you're over-oxygenating your body. So when we add more oxygen into our system, it's very similar to hyperventilation. So it feels lightheaded. The body starts to get worked up. The heart might start to race a little bit. You're going to experience tetany in your hands. So that's probably the tension that you're talking about where it feels like lobster claws or even I always, I kind of like feel like I have a beak almost like a parrot mouth. Yep, That was me. I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, this is looking so strange to everyone yes. else. But then yes. don't worry about that. Yeah. They literally do not care at all. <laughs> and what this does is create this insane buildup, right? It's the same type of model or ideas like building up to orgasm where you're building up, building up, building up, building up. And then there's the release, which is the release at the end of your breath work where you have this really blissful experience. Your body is rushed with serotonin and dopamine and you've created and you've moved so much energy so that you have this like really clear channel, right? Where you are able to receive clarity and messages and drop into your heart and be in your body instead of in your mind. So that's really what happens in those experiences. And when I first tried breath work, I didn't do that exact practice. That was probably practice two or three and loved it as well. But I did um, Wim Hof breath work, which is a forceful inhale, forceful exhale in and out of the mouth or the nose. And you do a few rounds of that. And this breathwork practice is insane as to what it can do for your body. And it, when I first did the practice, I 
experience that same type of release and bliss. I wouldn't say that it was as physically intense as your practice. Um, I think that the two-part breath that you're talking about does create more of a physical shift for people. But the bliss of finishing the practice is really what hooked me, of finally feeling safe and okay and happy in my body after years of so much anxiety, so much worry, so much fear. And like I said earlier, from that point forward, I was hooked. The breathwork practices that I teach, some of them are as physically exerting as the practice that you did and Wim Hof breath. And then some of them are meant to be done on a day-to-day basis like medicine to really, again, create that safety in your body and trigger your relaxation response. And that's really where I have the most fun with my students and clients is being able to give them tools to really help them with their anxiety and stress on a day-to-day basis when they are in the experience itself and, of course, outside of it, so that their baseline starts to shift and how they relate to the world and their work and their relationship starts to shift. Would you be open to sharing a breathwork practice or tool, one of the like everyday ones that people could try out in their own life and could practice themselves? Yes, absolutely. So one of my favorite practices is essentially a balancing practice. It's called Nadi Shodana, which is alternate nostril breathing. It's safe for anybody to do. And what this does is really regulate your nervous system. So we have to realize that breathwork is medicine. So whenever you're doing any breathwork practices, it's creating a physical and emotional and mental shift because you're working directly with your nervous system. And your nervous system is responsible for everything from um, your hormone release. So again, releasing cortisol or adrenaline. So if you're trying for a baby, using breath work to bring your body into homeostasis so you don't have all these stress hormones moving throughout your body, that's going to impact your sex drive and fertility and your immune system. It impacts your sleep, impacts how you connect with other people. And so it's really important to realize that when you're doing breathwork practices, not only do I deeply believe that you should work with a practitioner because everyone's different and needs different things depending on where they're at in their life, but you want to make sure that you're not doing something that's going to perpetuate whatever you're experiencing. So as an example, somebody that is within a like really high anxiety or stress response, doing the breathwork practice that you and I just spoke of that you did last night, probably not going to be great for them to go into when they're feeling a lot of anxiety. You're going to want a more calming practice. And so Nadi Shodana, the reason why I love this practice so much is that it's kind of, it meets you in the middle. So whether you're like maybe a little bit lethargic and tired or you're feeling overactive, this breathwork practice is going to bring you back into balance regardless of where you fall on the spectrum. So I'm going to do my best to explain it without people being able to see me. You're going to take your right hand and bring your right thumb up to your right nostril. And then your ring finger and your pinky finger on your right hand are going to plug your left nostril. So we're essentially going to be going back and forth, plugging the right and left nostril. And you're going to start by inhaling through your left nostril for a count of five. You'll hold at the top for a count of five. So just lightly plug both nostrils. Then slowly exhale through your right nostril for a count of five. Then inhale through your right nostril for five. Hold at the top. Then exhale through the left nostril for five. Good. So that's the practice. We'll inhale through left, hold at the top, exhale through right. Inhale through right, hold at the top, 
exhale through left. So essentially the way that I see it is like you're climbing up the left side of the mountain, pause for a moment, taking the view, then you climb down the right side of the mountain and then you go back the way that you came. I love it. Okay. And that visual is really helpful as well. I'm going to try and link to a video so that everyone can see your hand positioning throughout that so that you can follow along that way. But I feel like that was also really clear. How many times should people do that breath back and forth? I usually just set a timer because all the research studies go back to time in versus the amount of rounds that you would do, so to speak. So anything above five minutes is going to make a difference. I use this breathwork practice because I still get migraines from time to time. I have a migraine. I'll do this breathwork practice. If I feel stressed out, I'll do this practice. If I need to like cool myself down, I'll do this practice. And usually it's just setting a timer on my phone for five to 10 minutes is going to be good. Research has shown that that not only will balance your nervous system, but it balances also your right and left hemispheres of the brain. So our right hemisphere of the brain is going to be our creative, intuitive hemisphere of the brain. And our left hemisphere of the brain is our logic and rationale. So it increases also the communication between both hemispheres of the brain. Fascinating. Okay. Question for you. So in this session that I did, I got clarity around something. And then as I came out of the session, I felt really grounded in that. And then all of a sudden the thinking mind popped back into the show with all of the reasons why this isn't a good idea. The fear, I guess I'll, sh- I'll share. Oh my gosh, Scott's going to kill me. But so my clarity was that I just had this overwhelming sense of baby and, and more love in our family and that I could do it all that I can have it all. And that I don't need to be scared of something happening or it changing the dynamics of our current family. And I just felt really like rooted in that. And then coming out of it, it was like, but then you're going to have to stop work. And what if something happens to the baby? And what if this impacts James in Brooklyn and you know that you want to do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to have to push pause on everything. So I think that there's this interesting component that probably a lot of us struggle with in moments of when do I follow my intuition? When do I follow my heart? And yet we also have to take into play the logic of things as well in moments. Like, are you somebody who's just fully diving into always following the heart and intuition? Or are there moments when like we can trust in listening to the logic and knowing that's not going to F up our whole life or cause so many regrets. I feel like I'm like literally on the verge of tears, just like hearing you share that and just feeling so resonant with your question. And I know so many people are as well too. Right now I'm at a time in my life where I've fully dove into my intuition and it has led me to blowing up parts of my life that I have honestly been really scared to let go of. And at the same time, know that Every time that I have intuitively known something and ignored it based out of fear, there's always been lessons that I've had to learn along the way that have eventually redirected me to follow my intuition. I'll give you an example of that. At the beginning of the year, I heard loud and clear. And um, before I was doing Academy of Breath and my breath work, I was doing business coaching and had a ton of successful programs. I, you know, sold out masterminds. I sold out group courses. I sold out group coaching programs as well. Things were really, 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 really good. And it was really easy for me. And I had a lot of success and my clients had a lot of success. And at the beginning of the year, I was in a really powerful 
powerful meditation and I heard loud and clear, it's time to go all in on the Academy of Breath and you will be supported. And it was that same feeling of just like, oh, this feels so good. I feel so grounded in it. I'm safe. Like everything's going to work out. So just in the heart, right? And after I came out of the experience, I was like, but it's so easy and it's what I know and I can do both. Like I don't have to just go all in on it. And <laughs> the, the months following my business coaching and all of the things that I was doing that I said were so easy got harder and harder and harder to the point where I literally couldn't ignore my intuition anymore. And I finally was like, all right, letting go of it, letting fully go of it and dive and diving into the Academy of Breath full time. And it's been beautiful ever since. And I feel so much more confident and so much more purposeful and so much more in alignment with what I'm meant to be doing. With that being said, I don't think that you can ever make a wrong decision. I think that it was really important for me to ignore my intuition at that point because there were really important lessons for me to learn over the months that followed that to get me to the point where now I do fully trust that I'm safe. I do fully trust that I'm in alignment. I do fully trust that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be and in doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. And so I think that whether you listen to your intuition or listen to the logic, even if the logic might be rooted in a little bit of fear, you're not going to make the wrong decision because you're either going to make a decision that positions you to follow your intuition and, you know, receive the exact desire, or you're going to make a decision that's going to give you the information and the lessons that you were meant to learn. And sometimes that's not the most graceful path to go down, but I don't think that you can mess it up. There's nothing graceful about how I live my life. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like so nice when we can make a decision when it feels intuitively right. Like your gut, your heart, and your head are all in alignment. Yeah. And right now what's interesting for me is I've got that loud and clear message when everything falls away. But when I sit in my body with the question of whether or not to try for number three, and who knows how that would all pan out, my body really reacts in a constricted shut off way. Mm -hmm. I struggled with postpartum mm -hmm. after baby number two. I am very passionate about the work that I do. I love that I can just focus so much time on Brooklyn and James right now. And there's a lot of layers here. Yeah. And so maybe what I'm hearing in this moment is I'm just not yet ready. And I've been putting a lot of pressure on myself to figure this out because it feels like, well, Brooklyn's going to be five next year. And then there's such a gap between the kids. And so then that puts pressure on like, let's make this decision faster. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just need to let that go because this isn't the kind of thing that you just try and see how it goes. Like it's bringing another life into play. Yeah. Timing is an interesting thing. You know, I think that's the thing that we as humans struggle with the most is like wanting everything to be on our timing and like our ego getting involved of, you know, well, I want to make sure that the kids have the perfect age gap. Or for me, it's like, I want to make sure that by the end of the year, I make this much money in my business. And, you know, that will make me worthy or whatever it might, whatever it might've been, you know? And at the end of the day, when your body is like viscerally communicating to you in that way, I think it's so important to listen to that. You know, we don't want to bulldoze our own boundaries that our body is speaking to us. And I guess a question that 
maybe you can sit with or anyone can sit with is, okay, well, if I'm feeling this constriction in my body and obviously the constriction that you're feeling in your body is one, a piece of like probably yes, intuition. And then also like safety of like, I had postpartum before and that doesn't feel safe. And so I would just sit with like, what would feel best? What does feel safe? What does feel right? What does feel like the highest good for not only me, but my family and the world overall? And not forcing yourself to reach for the answer, but just allowing yourself to be open to receive it. I love that. I think that there's probably some people thinking this. I'm wondering as well, what happens when we just follow heart and intuition and let go of the mind and fear? Like, can you operate a world in that way? Because they feel like I want to say yes, but then we, the reality is like so much Mm -hmm. of the way that the world is run right now is using the head, using logic, using the mind. And so I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Mm, That's such a good question. And so much of the world is run through fear as well too. So from my own experience, following my heart and following my intuition hasn't meant that the fear goes away. In fact, I would say that what I've been dealing with a lot more is like rewiring my mind to remind myself when the fear comes up that it's safe for me to trust myself. And that can even be a mantra for everybody who is wanting to follow their intuition more is it's safe for me to trust myself. It's safe for me to trust myself. Even making this this move to Austin, even though it's just for a month, right before I left, there was so much hesitation of, should I really be doing this? Or, oh my gosh, I should should cancel my Airbnb. I shouldn't be paying rent for two places in two expensive cities. I shouldn't be spending this much time away from my husband. Like, what am I doing? I had to remind myself while all those thoughts came up, there was inspiration behind this. There's a reason why I'm supposed to be here. And no, I don't know what's going to come from it, but I do know that I was guided here. And I do know that I am going to continue to receive guidance like this until I follow it based off of the past. And so it's safe for me to trust myself. And even if it means that parts of my life are no longer in alignment based off of what I experience and what I learned to know and grow from this experience, I still trust that where I'm heading is always going to be more incredible and more magical than where I've been because that's just the way that God and the universe are set up to support me. Mm, I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. A couple last questions for you. If I was to send you to a deserted Island and you could bring three wellness tools that are the most supportive to you, what would you be packing in that backpack? Okay. Well, first quick question. What is the surf break like at this deserted island? (laughs) You can bring your surfboard. Okay. That can be one of your items. I've surfed like a handful of times and I went to Mexico and talk about a meditative experience. That was the first time that I was in the water and I was like, I haven't thought a thought in like two hours. It was wonderful. So surfboards coming with me. My journal is coming with me and This is going to sound so funny. My gallon water jug with like some sort of built-in water. Okay, no, so it's not silly. (laughs) I just pulled my hydro jug onto the camera, which is the most obnoxious, ginormous, big pink water bottle that I take everywhere with me. People give me such a hard time. I drink a gallon of water every single day and I literally cannot go 
a day without it. So my water jug is coming with some sort of way to make clean water on this deserted island. Okay. The clean water is there for you. So okay, your beautiful. surfboard, your journal and your gallon water jug. I love it. If you could send a message to every woman in the world, it was going to land in her inbox tomorrow morning. She would open this email and then you're gone. Like you can never send another message. This is your last one. What would you write? Mm. I think I would just want to leave them with the tool that has supported me the most in my life, which is the breath. So I'm going to give like one more extra breathwork practice and it would be my love. Your breath is your gateway to freedom. Take an inhale for five, hold at the top for five, exhale for five and begin again and trust that not only are you creating space and safety in your body, but you're creating a pathway in which you can truly create whatever you desire in your life. Goosebumps. Mm. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can everybody find you if they'd like more Ava? So my Instagram is at Ava Johanna. It's A-V-A-J-O-H-A-N-N-A. Website is academyofbreath.org. And you can find all of my programs there. We do a certification for teachers, coaches, leaders, anyone that wants to learn how to teach breathwork and meditation. And then we also have a personal practice six module course that really teaches you how to incorporate it into your daily life. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.